Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Gonzo, also known as Super G. And today we have a very special guest, a renowned educator in the crypto community and a former leader of Israel nearly 2,000 years ago. King Solomon is in the building to bring us all the latest updates on the crypto space, especially the Ripple XRP news. So I'm very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Grayscale's Bitcoin and Ethereum trust could be on the brink of collapse as Ripple's on-demand liquidity is reaching historic levels of adoption, bringing this RippleNet product to nearly every continent on the planet. Tom Brady, Larry David, and several other prominent celebrities are being held accountable for their promotion of FTX, as Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary states he's willing to invest in Sam Bankman-Fried again, telling the world that Sam is still a brilliant individual. Ripple kicks off their Swell Banking Conference today, working with top global institutions such as Amazon, MasterCard, and several others. And our special guest, King Solomon, will provide some key details on the realm-wide financial restructuring taking place today. From CBDCs to social credit scores, we prepare our community as the elites plan to centralize this industry. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we're going to go to King Solomon last because I don't want to give him too much right off the bat. How are you feeling this morning, my friend? And thank you for being here. Well, first of all, I'm doing, I'm doing great abs. Let me just start it out like I always do. Good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there today. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys showing up every single day in the chat, keeping it live. So it's great to see that. Great to see you, Gonzo. Great to see you, abs. And I'm super excited to have King Solomon on board. One of the guys I followed when I first started, got, got started a few years ago. So King, we're happy to have you here. Can't wait to jump into some good news today. Shout out to King Solomon. Before we get to that, we got Super G in the building this morning. Gonzo, they call you the Ethereum expert, and we've got some dark, dark rumors going around with Grayscale. How you feeling this morning? And thanks for being here. Oh, man, we could talk about that, that all that fun and stuff. We'll talk about that. But yeah, man, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Yeah, man, you know what? Just feeling just truly blessed. Like we were talking about this before that. I made a comment to King Solomon that when I first came in space, just like Johnny, uh, you know, you find his channel and you see how much research he does and the things that he finds. Yeah. And, and it's just awesome. And just truly blessed and, and appreciative to be on our show. And then, yeah, it's going to be awesome. King Solomon, they always say if you're the smartest man in the room, you are in the wrong room. Well, I guess I am not in the wrong room today because we got a brilliant man joining us this morning. Thank you for being here. I'm not going to push you with any questions yet, but how are you feeling this morning? And, and thanks for being here again. Oh, good, guys. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys for having me on. I know that we tried doing this about a month ago. Just been swamped recently, but it's a pleasure to be here. And thank you guys very much. Awesome. Thank you, Solomon. And we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index has climbed one point this morning. Historic times, historic times, my friend. But let's check out what some of the daily movers are today as we've got red across the board. Devastation continues in the market. Let's check out the total coin market cap. We're sitting at $822 billion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 38% dominance. Ethereum is 17%. 
We've got Bitcoin trading at 16,400, Ethereum 1200, XRP 36 cents. My favorite list is giving me some trouble. So King Solomon, I'm kicking it right to you, my friend. We typically talk about how we're operating during this bear market. And you just mentioned you've been in this market since 2016. So maybe you can provide some insight into our listeners. How have you been operating? Is there anything out of the ordinary in 2022 compared to bear markets in the past? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be different things that occur. I mean, we've heard a lot with like Bitcoin talking about lengthening cycles, diminishing returns Um, from a TA standpoint. I'm not like a TA guru or anything, but, you know, you can look at kind of those log growth curves that everybody was using to track Bitcoin and breaking down multiple weekly candles below that for the first time. Um, I do think there's synergy, though, in what we've seen in these cycles. I know a lot of people talk about the four year cycle. Um, regardless of the macroeconomic aspects, which I think certainly play a part. But, you know, 17, 18 months prior to the happening, which is in um, what early, I think it's like March or April of 2024. Normally yeah. we bought them. Um, for me personally, obviously, and not financial advice, but like I made a lot of moves back in June when Bitcoin capitulated down to 17.5. Um, still kind of really watching where we're at right now um, with the monthly close for Bitcoin, watching the total market cap of crypto. And I mean, my, my thought process on this, though, regardless is, you know, I believe that, you know, the, the total crypto market cap is going to represent, you know, we were at 800 billion uh, in late 2017 and 3 trillion last year. Um, you know, not going to not not to speculate, but my opinion is I think we go to somewhere around 10 trillion wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for the next cycle. So regardless of what's happening right now, I'm not necessarily scared. I'm looking for opportunities and um I think that there's tons of them and not, nobody's going to care two or three years down the line if they picked up digital assets at a $13,000 or a $10,000 Bitcoin, you know, compared to where we're at right now, like sixteen five. It's just a waiting game and it's patience and, you know, trying to make the right decisions in a market like this because there are opportunities, but it's, it's all based on your risk tolerance. And one of the best parts about a bear market is that regardless of these prices being low, the institutions are building more than ever. And we've got a Ripple Swell event today. We're Bank of America MasterCard. And I believe Amazon is also going to be speaking on the future of our banking system. Johnny and Gonzo, I'd love to go to you before we dive into our articles, Johnny K. What are some of the things you're watching in the market this morning? We got some pretty interesting news from Grayscale. As Grayscale said, in the wake of recent rumors, they're, they're assuring investors that their investments are okay. So in the wake of recent events, our investors should know that the safety and security of the holdings and underlying Grayscale's digital asset products were unaffected. I'm not sure if I believe them, Johnny, but this is more bearish news for the market. What are you anticipating, my friend? Take all that news you hear from all these guys, roll that son bitch in a ball and throw it out the window because none of that shit matters. You know they lie. We know we've never been told the truth. Every time they tell you the truth, they tell you, don't worry about it. What happened? Uh, you know, Sam was coming out. Oh, FTX US is fine. Don't worry. It's safe. Two days later, files for bankruptcy. So the reality is I don't trust none of these guys. Abs. At the end of the day, I, as you guys know, the strategy really here is we look at technologies that we feel have utility here. And those are the ones I care to invest in. And I'm here for the long run for those, right? As I say all the time on the show, we're so damn early. It feels like we're late. But these technologies haven't even been really fully put in place yet. And so the way I look at it is, you know, you don't want to really go in and, and trust in a lot of these other companies. You trust in yourself. You trust in your research. And then you go and you find those best technologies and you place your bets on several horses. Because we know not all these horses are going to win the race. We know a lot of these are going to go away through regulation and other things and, and consolidation. But the reality is you find the ones that you believe will be here for the long term. And I totally agree with the kick. Whether you buy it at 10 cents, XRP at 10 cents, 40 cents, 
70 cents. It ain't going to matter when it's four, five, six, seven dollars. Nobody's going to care. So to me, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for value and you're looking for a long-term utility in this space. Gonzo, we've talked about how another leg down is anticipated. We even had BitBoy calling for thirteen dollars and $14,000 levels several months ago. What are you anticipating, my friend? Do you believe that we're going to see another exchange collapse? We had rumors from Gemini halting withdrawals. Before we dive into our news for today, give us your thoughts, Gonzo. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, if it's going to be Gemini or what the excuse is going to be, but I do think we're going to see a, a lower low. They're, they're, like if you follow Gareth uh, Holloway, uh, who's a big, time trader that's been in the space for a while. There's a trend line that he's been talking about that goes from the 2017 low to the seaward crash low and it extends out. And that brings us like in the next few months to like about nine or 10 K. He also talks about like the Lehman brothers collapse, right? Which is very similar to what we saw right now with FTX. Right. And if you look at the charts of the Lehman brothers collapse after the collapse, we still corrected about 50%. Right. So if you kind of look at the very similar thing, we were at 18, five, we had the FTX collapse. If we correct another 50%, that brings us about nine to 10K, which is kind of on par with that trend line. Um, I, I do think that we're going to go uh, lower. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking at the 10 to 12K, but like Solomon was saying, I'm still dollar cost averaging. I'm just buying it at every level down, right? So I got some at, um, at that 18.3. I got some at, um, at the, in the 17,000s. I got 16.5. And then I'm going to get some at 15. If we go to 14, 13, 11, all the way down, right? As far as the altcoins, I'm kind of just waiting a little bit. The total market cap of the altcoins um, that doesn't include Bitcoin is at support right now. If we lose that support, we could correct another 30%. And that's like total market cap. Um, but that's just in par with if Bitcoin decides to drop down to those lower levels, then you could, you know, the, the altcoins are going to bleed. But again, I'm kind of just looking at the bottom ranges of those. And anytime we hit near that bottom range, I just dollar cost average in. And like you said, will it really make a difference if I buy link at $5.75 or $5.50, um, you know, or $5 when I think it's going to go back up to $50 or $60 in the future? Not really. Exactly, Gonzo. And this is one of the reasons we talk about ISO compliant tokens very often. We got 265 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Somebody commented they love Johnny Crypto's uppercut on the like button. Me too, my friends. But King Solomon, we got you here. So we're going to dive into the important news for today as Ripple Swell event has begun today. And they've got some of the most prominent companies on the planet speaking here. Anybody who's not familiar with what the Ripple Swell event is, they focus on the future of the banking system. And it's very interesting to see Ripple hosting an event like this. So I'd love to give you the open floor. What do you think about this event? The fact that we have Amazon, Ripple, Bank of America, and MasterCard all coming together to discuss the future of our banking system. Yeah, I mean, I know we, we do know, I believe, RippleNet integrated with AWS. Bank of America has been kind of the old school partner with Ripple. MasterCard. <clears throat> MasterCard is kind of an old school partner as well. I think all the way back to 2015, I want to say. Um, and, you know, Ripple's held you know, swell for, for years. And there is a lot that comes out of the this event. But, you know, I'm not surprised about anything that I see that's announced. Uh, actually, even kind of did a deep dive into, if you guys aren't aware, like Nash, it pretty much runs the ACH uh, system in the United States. So any direct deposits or bill pays coming from your bank account. And they put something out about, CGI a few days ago, we know that CGI is tied in, but CGI operates, I mean, what is it, like 20% of the SWIFT payment transactions, 40% of global FX settlement. And there's so much there's so much going on in this space on a consistent basis. There's so much rhetoric, but we all kind of know where this space goes. 
Um, at some point, they're going to pivot into these systems, even with the central, the CBDC stuff. Um, watching Christine Lagarde's rhetoric shift over the past year towards, yeah, we might think about testing a digital euro. And then, yes, we are going to test. And here's a letter and a call for comments. And now saying all the positive benefits and banking the unbanked and strengthening up the economy. I mean, all this verbiage is it's it's a it's a planned rollout, in my opinion, over time. Um, it's just trying to pay attention. I think what Johnny said is perfect. Watch what they're doing, not necessarily just what they're saying. So. Thank you, Solomon. And that's one of the most interesting things about what's going on today is that the SWIFT banking system has no choice but to adapt. And we've seen some of the biggest currencies on the planet working with them. You just made a connection between CGI and SWIFT using, I believe, Ripple as a possible upgrade solution for settlement. We brought up some Chainlink news earlier this month talking about how Chainlink was going to offer SWIFT the ability to actually settle transactions over the next couple of years. And they're working on beta testing behind the scenes. But Gonzo, I'd love to kick it to you. We got some really interesting news coming out of Ripple today because we know that they just opened a brand new on-demand liquidity corridor in Africa, potentially opening up a trillion dollars worth of value that's being traded every single year. So really, really exciting news there. 301 live listeners are joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got King Solomon in the building. So we are yet to address the most exciting news for today. But Gonzo, what do you think about this news here? I mean, super bullish, right? When you when you think about what Ripple's doing uh, with their ODL and they continue just to expand out where, you know, a couple months ago we were talking about France and Sweden. Now it's Africa, right? Before before that, it was the UAE, um, it, like the Philippines. Like they're going to continue to build out the ODL and it's the use case for, for one of the use cases for XRP, right? Now we have um, XLS20D, which is basically their version of a smart contract, right? And, and that opens up that whole world of tokenization with the XRPL. So I'm just super bullish. You know, that's why it's our biggest holdings and that's why we continue to talk about it. Yeah, XLS20 launched two weeks ago. Uh, XRPL doesn't have smart contract functionality yet, but XLS20 is that native NFT standard on the XRP ledger, which is fantastic because it, opens up the ability for these community members to really start building out projects, uh, exploring use cases around NFTs. Um, webhooks uh, coming to the XRPO as well, which aren't necessarily natively smart contracts, but tie in a kind of rich functionality on the back or the front end of transactions. Um, and then we do have federated side chains, which represent pretty much anything you could think of, privacy, smart contracts, whatever you would want to build on a federated sidechain once those launch, it's fantastic. That CGI thing I talked about was interesting just because of the fact that a lot of like the, I've talked about this before on, on some live streams and stuff, like, you know, for a, for a payment startup such as Ripple, uh, and make no mistake about it, when Ripple launched, they were a startup. To have a seat at the table for Nasha, to be able to tie themselves into CGI, um, Timelines are interesting, but also the fact that a lot of these kind of relationships have went dark over the past two or three years, which is pretty curious. And the MFS Africa stuff that just came out yesterday, um, the mobile money aspect is gigantic. So that kind of makes me, especially with ODL, which is obviously XRP enabled uh, or can be, um, the mobile money is interesting. And that makes me think of, you know, things like Mojo Loop and the Gates Foundation and what's going on in those kind of exotic corridors around mobile money, because Banking the unbanked is it's all going to probably run through through cell phones, to be honest with you. I mean, most of this stuff is going to run through what most people have. So 
And I feel yeah. like banking the unbanked has become the main narrative for the bull run that we're yet to experience. We've got 1.7 billion people around the world who are unbanked, and a lot of them reside in Africa. And that's why I think this partnership is so important, Solomon. It says this MFS Africa connects more than 400 million mobile wallets across 35 countries in Africa while operating in upwards of 800 payment corridors across the continent. Johnny Crypto, I know you got some comments. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, it doesn't surprise me. That's why Cardano, look at Charles. He's focusing on Africa first, right? Because he knows that's where the largest amount of unbanked people are, and he's targeting it there. When you look at Ripple, what, 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 was, what I like about them is when you think about where they started out as just a cross-border payments problem solution, and then they quickly adapted, right? When they said, okay, we've got that market. We're looking, we're playing in there. But then they also said, okay, let's go play in NFTs, and, and they're looking to expand. And they have. We've been saying all the time in the show, the community matters. XRP might have the largest community. I think we all know how strong and powerful the XRP army is. And they're all waiting. Can't wait to get into the NFT space. So I think that the, the thing that Ripple's doing well when the lawsuit got put on their, the monkey on their back, right? And as, as King said, it kind of went dark for them for two years because everybody in the, in the U.S. is afraid to work with them, right? At least in, in the front of the scenes, behind the scenes, who knows what the hell is going on. But the reality is they've, they've quickly been nimble to say, hey, let's look at these other use cases. And that's what gets me excited about Ripple is the fact that they're not just going to be a one-trick pony. They're looking to really play in all these different spaces. And their community is so big. It won't surprise me. As I said earlier, we know that there's going to be a coexistence of systems. When technology is new like this, the reality is nobody knows who the winner are. You get all these different systems out there, and I believe they're going to coexist. And eventually you'll get two or three that kind of float to the top. And, and I assume, you know, I do believe that Ripple will be one of those. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, XRP, we'll have to wait and see. But I do believe that we will see a cross-function of coexisting Good blockchains working together apps in this space. King Solomon, what's interesting is that David Schwartz often, often references the tokenization of everything and how XRPL could take center stage. We're yet to see smart contracts. We're yet to see NFTs be fully implemented onto the network. But this is a really interesting quote from back in 2019. So Arthur Brito, one of the founders of the XRPL, said that XRP was built to scale over 7.5 billion people. And this would inevitably lead to the price targets that we like to talk about on this channel. If the derivatives market became tokenized, that would be $1.4 quadrillion in tokenized assets coming onto the XRPL. And that's how you reach a $10,000 price target. We don't do price targets on this channel. That's not what we're about. But when it comes to the fundamental research and the tokenization of everything, I do think XRP has some of the largest potential in the market. And I'd love to hear what you think about that. What do you think about the potential of Flare Networks when it comes to DeFi and also the tokenization of real assets coming to the XRPL? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to happen on multiple ledgers. Um, so I hate to speculate, you know, totally on all of the world's derivative value running on the XRP ledger because I, I could be wrong. I just, in my opinion, I don't think that that's how this ecosystem shakes out. I don't think that's how the internet of value shakes out. I think it's going to be multiple players, multiple ledgers. Certain ledgers are going to do things better than other ledgers are going to do things. We probably haven't even witnessed some of these ledgers that are going to be coming out in the near or in the future. Um, so when I think about the XRP ledger, it's fantastic from an accounting standpoint, right? Um, it's essentially like a, an IOU issuance platform, pretty much the same thing that the, would happens with, the, you know, how banks issue fiat. Um, so it's kind of the perfect, perfect uh, ledger for something like that. But I, I just think that you're, I think it's going to be a multitude of different ledgers coming together. Um, and I think that is one of the kind of narratives that I try to pivot away from a little bit because I do believe diversification in some of these networks because we we have no idea what's going to happen um, in this space. I mean, we can we can watch, we can try to research, we can do X, Y, and Z. 
But unless you're trying to safeguard and manage risk in a way that you're diversifying, um, I don't know, even like nobody would have thought, you know, even looking at Solana like four or five months ago, um, the majority of people were super, I, I never really got into Solana, but the majority of people were super bullish on Solana and watch what, you know, look what happens to Solana, look what happens to Terra Luna. So like, I do think that it's, I, I do believe what, what you said is accurate. I believe that pretty much the entire world does get tokenized. I actually would even argue that NFTs at some point in time may represent a larger use case than IOU based unit of account assets, uh, assets right now, because NFTs essentially just represent unique items on a ledger, which that's probably going to be you and I at some point in time. We're probably going to be represented as pr pretty much NFTs at some point in time. Like, and even the Fed came out with a document, me and uh, Darren, Fame 21 more, we're doing a, a podcast like three or four months ago. And the Fed had like literally two human beings represented on two sides of a transaction and right next to the human beings, it said NFT, NFT. So it's like <laughs> pretty scary where this stuff could end up over time, so... It's really interesting. And I do think we're at a pivotal point where we are shifting, whether it's financial or the way that we track our social credit scores, a digital ID is inevitably coming. We've seen HSBC produce documents. We've seen JP Morgan produce documents. And there's several others that I can't remember, but they're all working towards not only a central bank digital currency, but a social credit score that's able to integrate with that. And I do think that's really, really interesting. We got 415 live listeners joining us this morning. Show us some love, smash that like button. We got another update from Ripple and Johnny Crypto. I think you're going to like this one. So over the past decade, Ripple has been on a mission to build breakthrough crypto solutions for a world without economic borders, aka a one world economy. They established this in 2012, and one of the largest products they've had is the on-demand liquidity network that has seen rapid growth during 2022. They've seen expansions into all sorts of continents around the world, including Africa, Argentina, Belgium, Israel, Australia, Brazil, Singapore, the UAE, and several others are on that list. Johnny Crypto, before we dive into some details about the Swell event today, what do you think about all these continents integrating RippleNet? No, I mean, I think it's fantastic. And I think you're seeing that Ripple, they said, hey, we can't work in the U.S. All right, no problem. We'll go, we'll go work outside the U.S. And they're planting their seeds all around the rest of the globe, which is actually a really good thing to do. What I really want to see, as I say in the show all the time, though, is I want to see some of those seeds getting planted here in the U.S. Because the U.S. market still, even though we're on a decline, is still going to be the leading marketplace for this. So you want to see them getting some ground here. And I think one or two things will happen. You know, when we get the lawsuit settlement, most likely, I think that's when you'll start to see news picking up. Either they'll start to work with companies or companies will make announcements. Hey, we're using this now, which means they were working with them all behind the scenes. And that's what we don't know yet. That's what we have to wait and see. Uh, but to me, that's when I'm going to get excited, Abs, when I start seeing them gain some ground here in the U.S. Thank you so much, Johnny. And we're about to dive into some Sam Bankman-Fried news here. As he was warning investors earlier this summer that multiple exchanges were secretly insolvent, little did we know he was talking about himself. It turned out that FTX had $900 million in liquid assets, but had $9 billion worth of liabilities on its balance sheets before the implosion took place. What's really interesting is somebody we typically reference on this channel is Kevin O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary is climbing on the rat snake weasel index, Johnny. I love to put you on the screen while I read this article because this is just so telling about who's honest and who's <laughs> dishonest in this industry. So we've got Kevin O'Leary saying he would back Sam Bankman-Fried again if he had a new venture, specifically because he's one of the most brilliant traders in the crypto universe. When asked if he would back Sam Bankman-Fried in a new venture, the answer would be yes, said Kevin O'Leary. O'Leary said that he's going to have to suffer the slings and arrows that take place in this industry, but he had sympathy for the CEO after he stole over $8 billion from everyday investors. Johnny Crypto, what the hell does this news tell you about Kevin O'Leary? 
I mean, that's not going to put him in favor anywhere. But you know, if we take the if we if we take the rat snake weasel index here, right? So let me just share that over there. So we tell you, I I you know I got to put him somewhere like you know somewhere right in this area now. You know, it's too bad because I actually like Kevin because I like the fact that he went from not liking crypto to doing the research and learning about crypto and realizing it is here to stay. There is a true fundamental underlying technology and blockchain that is here to stay it does you know it is is cheaper better solutions right and that's what the world is looking for efficient solutions longer term so i believe everything is going to be running on blockchain in the next 20 30 years right but it's just sad for him you know you don't come out and you back a crook and when you do that you know you're going to get mud slung at you for that so kevin's going to get whatever he gets but the reality is you know what he's a billionaire he don't give a shit people will throw stuff at him and at the end of the day he'll still hop on his private jet to go to his yacht and go sip his martinis and he ain't going to give a crap what anybody's saying about him. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, yeah. I watched the So I watched the interview with, with crypto banter with Ren. That's who he was on with. And when Ren asked him the question, you know, he, it caught him a little bit off guard and, and he didn't just say yes. So he kind of gave this caveat that he was the best trader that he's ever seen and that he would put him in a box, basically that he would put him in charge of trading, but he would not give him, access put him in a box or put him in a prison cell yeah that's what they should do right and so looking at the interview and watching it happen live i don't know if it's something like that he really believes that or it's his own ego kind of justifying all of the things that he said about him right and so he can't like face himself in the mirror so he's kind of softening the blow to his own ego by saying nice things about sbf because while we were watching it happen like the chat blew up it was like absolutely insane because who the hell would trust anyone uh not a single dollar to sbf after everything that he's done right so yes. it was very interesting watching it live you're spot on gonzo and that's a great comment one of our listeners put in there solomon i'd like to get some comments from you we've seen kevin o'leary come out and promote products like solana and HBAR. So the fact that we've witnessed the FTX collapse after his large promotion, does that make you a little bit more nervous about the projects that he is comfortable promoting, such as the two I just listed? I mean, I think these guys have so much money that they're looking for net wins, you know, regardless, and they're going to make mistakes just like anybody else. I think FTX, you know, him him stating that he would still support Sam Bankman-Fried is kind of acidine. Um, obviously, the Solana aspects semi-tied into the FTX stuff as well. Um, from the HBAR position, you know, most of you guys know that I'm a huge advocate for Hedera and the HBAR community. So uh, I know that he invested into, what was it? Um, I think he invested into NFT.com, which was Immutable Holdings. Um, they had some interesting decisions, Jordan Freed, when he left uh, Hedera. Um, but from the HBAR community standpoint and regarding HBAR, you know, I can't say anything definitively because I don't know anything definitively, but I support that ecosystem. I support the value and the utility that HBAR represents. Um, I would actually even say, you know, the XRPL, as far as these NFT projects launching right now, I think that you'll see a lot of synergy over the next 6, 10, 12 months as far as where HBAR is at. Um, because they've had about a year and a half to grow and that community is pretty massive at this point in time. Um, and another thing, like even with the the Ripple stuff, like, it's a point that not a lot of people make, but we should hope to see at some point in time, somebody else building on the XRP ledger that even represents a bigger, a bigger value proposition than Ripple. And that, in my opinion, if the XRP ledger stays around for years and years and years, if somebody doesn't build a big, bigger product or use case than what Ripple's already built, I'll be very surprised. Um, I, th I think at some point that's a very definitive possibility. So, or at least I would hope to see that because they're going to, you know, 
it's there's so many opportunities to build on these ledgers that have utility. So you're spot on, Solomon. And one of the things that we pointed out yesterday was the list of large institutions that were secretly or not secretly, but behind the scenes investing in FTX. We had BlackRock, Dakota Capital, SoftBank Circle and several other multi-billion dollar industries industry leaders investing in this exchange. But what's really interesting is that Robert Kinasaki took the time to call out Kevin O'Leary and Sam Bankman-Fried yesterday. He stated that FTX was the largest donator of Democrats to the midterms. Kevin O'Leary and Jim Cramer raved about Sam Bankman-Fried calling him the Warren Buffett of crypto. Sam Bankman-Fried, he's more like Bernie Madoff of crypto. How much more corrupt can Silicon Valley and Holly Weird become? Now paying to steal elections. Those are some really bold statements from Kinasaki. But anybody who's followed him for quite a while knows he's known for his bold statements. Just in case anybody who's not familiar with this, Solomon, before I kick it right back to you, this is a list of his political donations here. He donated th- Sam Bankman-Fried's political donations. He donated $40 million. Of that $40 million, 37.7 went to the Democrats, $2 million went to the nine bipartisans, and only 200000 went to the Republican campaign. What do you think about them using other people's funds to to incentivize politicians to regulate this market the way that they like. I'm not sure if I phrased that perfectly, but you get what I'm trying to say. I think that there's the majority of what's going on behind the scenes is, is a, is a huge show, regardless of what political party you believe in. That's just my personal opinion when it comes to politics, but lobbying um, as far as, you know, using funds to lobby, even that Brad Sherman, that Senator that consistently talks shit about, you know, crypto, I did a deep dive on on that dude's uh, campaign contributors, and I, I think if, I can't remember if it's Empower Democracy or or it's something framed around that was the largest donor to that guy's campaign, and that's a it was like it's a crypto company, literally was the largest donor to his campaign. So you've got a guy that is historically time and time and time again saying that crypto is a scam, and his largest campaign contributor is literally it's literally filtering through crypto. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's so much. Um, nonsense going on obviously sam bankman fried donating 30 million dollars to democrats to try to get a, a position from a lobbying standpoint is is acidine and it just shows the real problems that exist because how can we try to support where we go and, and in this kind of like level playing field for everybody that's participating in this space whenever it's obviously not on the back end because there's a lot of money and money changes people and money changes people's opinions on things as well so Exactly. Johnny Crypto, I'm pulling up Sam Bankman-Fried's donation list right now. I'd love to give you the floor. What do you think about them using this opportunity as FTX collapses? Governments, specifically the White House, are coming in and stating we need regulation. This wasn't an issue about regulation. This was an issue about a criminal having way too much control of this market. So with that being said, I'll give you the floor while I pull up those donations. Well, first of all, as you know, the way things are set up, they're going to say he didn't do anything criminal. Financial crimes are very, very hard to prosecute. Look in 2008. They took down the whole goddamn banking system. And who went to jail? Name one CEO that was some guy that works in a basement went to jail because they had a pin on somebody, but the poor guy didn't had nothing to do with it. So the reality is, you know, the thing about this whole thing is what was the very first thing you heard happen when the debacle went down? The White House came out and they're talking about regulation. I mean, guys, if you don't think this stuff is planned, I don't know why it's right. Send it right in plain sight. Problem, reaction, solution, right? We talk about that all the time. They created the problem, then you get a reaction. Now the solution is they're gonna bring regulation what have we said all along they're going to on the show talk about all the time they're going to say cryptocurrency is bad cbdc good that's where we're headed because we all know how bad cbdc's really are but they're not going to tell you that they're going to they're going to feed it to you and tell you it's better than the, in sliced bread but the reality is we know that it's a double-edged sword on the cbdc part of it so we'll see yeah there you go and there's the double-edged sword i'm glad you pulled that up is this exactly, exactly. there you go 
That's where we're headed, folks. Johnny Crypto, I think this might be a great time to show our listeners the smartest way to track your cryptocurrency. Before we go into this little deep dive about an, it's about a European central bank digital currency and some of the implications that this could have on our entire financial system, we got 430 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. King Solomon's in the building, and we're about to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Let's roll. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Somebody said, you mean you don't track your crypto on the back of an envelope? Well, I used to before this application, my friend. Excel spreadsheets were the name of the game for me, but this has changed the game for our listeners here. Creating an exit plan during a bear market is one of the best ways to survive. And one of the ways that we were able to capitalize on the 2021 bull run was sticking to our exit strategy. So John, really quick, any words about Merlin? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you nailed it right, Abs. Is when, when I got in this space, I had to create a spreadsheet because I couldn't track all crypto spread everywhere. The exchanges do a terrible job of capturing what your accounts are, what they're doing, when the markets are pumping and dump. Uh, we had this problem yesterday, my friends. The global elites are after is Johnny this week for sharing too much truthful information. Gonzo, I'm going to give you the floor because I know you had you a know, comment on our last topic. Yeah. And then Don't we'll dive into this. You want to have here. a plan. The comment was just about like, you know, I, I wasn't in the last bear market, right? But I love history. I love studying history. And I saw, I look at the charts and I, and I look at past articles, interviews and stuff like that and and what people were, were feeling. And and whether it's like Mt. Gox that kicked off the first bear market or, or whatever event it is, this feels like a capitulation event, right? You have the mainstream media that's jumping onto the FTX things, telling everybody to sell their crypto. You got Tom Brady getting sued. He's removing his laser eyes. Um, you, this whole real like narrative that, you know, not that necessarily crypto's going to zero, but that crypto's done. You got all these venture capitals because with the FTX thing, it wasn't just retail that was hurt. It was venture capital, right? People like Kevin O'Leary that were hurt. They're all saying, hey, we're not going to put any more money into this space. You had all these influencers that were that were hurt, that promoted BlockFi, like Pomp, like Andrew. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. Andrew, uh, what's his name? But he had all the stuff on BlockFi. So to me... It, it, that that's what it feels like that the sentiment like this is like the capitulation event now i still think we could go lower but i think we're closer to the bottom than anything else that's all that's one thing i wanted to say and king solomon one of the reasons i believe this is one of the most important times in history is because we're going through a shift that will only take place maybe once every three four hundred years when we shifted from gold to fiat now we're switching from fiat to digital and we've got an update as the United States is currently running their digital dollar project. I don't necessarily want to deep dive on this article, but I know you have a, a plethora of experience in this market. Maybe you can speak a little bit to what Fed now is doing behind the scenes and how this total collapse could be a move into a more centralized market because we've highlighted before, they are 
launching a United States central bank digital currency in quarter two of 2023. That's what we believe. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, well, real quick on the FTX stuff too. Uh, I know Johnny touched on it a little bit, but that hack was a very interesting time for that hack because who knows how many records are still going to be there after that hack. Um, but then, you know, regarding a U.S. CBDC, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to speculate 2023. I know that it's going to come at some point in time. At least that's my opinion. I do know with the Fed now stuff, it's really interesting. Um, you know, you can think about Ripple and all the people that sit on these, you know, the faster, faster payments task force and things like that. But I did a gigantic deep dive into every single Fed now participant. I actually found a couple of Ripple partners that were unannounced. I think two or three partners. Um, the only crypto, like actual cryptocurrency company, um, and this is not financial advice. I haven't bought it yet, but it's the, you know it was Cypherium. Um, ah, and, we covered that. But when you dig into Cypherium, uh, I forget what the product is called that they use. But the entire thing is underpinned by the Interledger protocol. The entire thing that they use is, is underpinned by ILP, ILP. And if you're not aware, Ripple obviously invented the Interledger protocol, gifted it to the W3C, which pretty much operates the internet. But what Cypherium is using is 100%, literally not even based on, it is underpinned by ILP based on the research that I did. So, And that was probably like a month ago. I have some videos on that. So. That's fascinating. And I'd love to switch topics just a little bit because we always talk about quant network on our channel and how when the TCP IP was released for the internet, it allowed all these new use cases to emerge. And that's kind of what we're anticipating for quant. We know it's an aggregate, not an individual blockchain. So it can connect to any project and allow its smart contracts to be interoperable. I know you're familiar with quant. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit for our listeners. Yeah. I mean, it's like TC307, I think, Gilbert Verdian. Um, and, you know, interoperability is going to be gigantic. You know, one of the things that we hear about quant all the time is obviously scarcity. There's the operating costs are based on quant um, for overledger. And I think, I, I mean, I, I think quant's going to play a, a, a fairly large role. And I know quant, and I can't say how I know this, but obviously not financial advice, but I know quant is being integrated into a, one national payment system, at least. And even if you look at the relationships with Oracle, um, and kind of how that's developed over the past couple of years. And, and certainly Quant and Overledger integrated into Oracle. Uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. So It's definitely an interesting time to be watching these projects because we've highlighted the resume of Gilbert Verdian, who's the CEO of, and founder of Quant Networks. And he actually worked at the Federal Reserve Secure Payments Task Force back in 2019. But he also worked with the Bank of England on creating an interoperable currency. And he's had ties to the banking system since before he created Quant. Then he came out with a product, and now those ties have only grown closer. Johnny Crypto, I know you're the most familiar with Quant on the panel. Any quick words regarding this project? No, I mean, at the end of the day, something has to bring everything together. And the only way this whole entire ecosystem is going to work is that everything has to be talking together. And that's what TCPIP did in the early 90s, right? Bringing all the email systems and all those together. So the reality is you're going to need a similar thing here. And whether it's Quant or Link, you know, we'll have to wait and see what pans out. Again, I think it's going to be a coexistence of systems until one wins over the other. But to me, want to make sure I got races in both. We know it's not what you know, it's who you know. We know Gilbert works for the Federal Reserve. Gilbert has connections. It wouldn't surprise me if Quant ultimately becomes the winner. But again, for me, it don't matter. I got to have, I got horses in, in both horses in the race. So whoever wins, it's all good at the end of the day. And that's well, how you we know the be. Ripple Nets integrated into Quant. Um, I mean, there's interoperability yes. aspects there. We know like the SIA stuff. Even the U.S. CBDC, um, Project New Dawn, which was through MTech, the Fed, 
uh, Microsoft and Hedera Hashgraph, that stuff was going on since I want to say June or July of last year. So there's already been piloting aspects, 100%. Um, oh, yeah. So anything you're seeing now, I mean, I, and what's interesting to me is like, and I know that this is this has to be the case, especially over the past, I would say, two or three years when a lot of the news that you could try to deep dive and find kind of went dark, is for all the stuff that we still do see coming out, there's way more stuff going on behind the scenes that we do that we're that we're just not seeing. So and, and these banks, these banks, like especially with like the Bank of England, and, you know, their renewed real time growth settlement system and their trials with Ripple back in 2015 or 2016. And now we see all these CBDC, you know, narratives coming out. These banks aren't just going to adopt something that just came out yesterday and do a three month trial and then release it. These banks move extremely slow. Um, right. So my bets, if I was a betting man, would be look at the relationships and the trials that have went on over the past two, three, four, five, six years, um, because it's, that's how slow these banks move. They know they have to pivot at some point or they're going to pivot towards something brand new with no liquidity that isn't spread out, that hasn't been tested multiple, multiple, multiple times. So they're going to go with something that has literally been being tested for years. So Exactly. And we we, we actually talked about that on the show yesterday too, Kings. The way it works in technology is technology doesn't get launched. You know, people think if something comes out today that it was worked on yesterday. No. You know, computer came out. I got my first computer in 1980. The computer was worked on in the 1950s, right? It takes 20, 30 years. So these technologies have all been in the works, folks. And the reality is they're not going to launch it until they, like you said, multiple tests to make sure it's ready to go because there's too much money at stake, too many systems. It's too big. It's going to be multiple trials. And that's why we think 2025, 26, somewhere in that time frame, you may start to see the initial launch of some of these things. But they're testing and developing, as King said, right now as we speak. And they're still trying to figure it all out. They're working through the bugs. So they're going to find a bunch of bugs. They're going to debug the system. And ultimately, they'll eventually get there. And, and that's what, again, we're trying to figure out which ones of these systems make the most sense to be. And when you read the writing on the wall, you can kind of get a sense for a few of them. Right, you want to Ripple, Quant, Cypherium, those kinds of things, RD3, you know, Corda, those things. If you, you know, are all part of what you keep hearing in the background of these companies looking at. So sooner or later, I think one of those will prevail. Gotta love it, Johnny K. We got 324 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. King Solomon's in the building. So we're about to talk about ISO compliance and the migration that's taking place today. So we had a release from Swift earlier this month talking about the migration into ISO protocols from November of 2022 as originally planned. While the translating manager will technically be live from this date, the full scope of functionality will go live in March of 2023. Here's what's really interesting, Solomon. Check out this news from all around the world. We had German banks, African banks, Australian banks, all shutting down today and emailing their investors that they are going upgrades behind the scenes. So I'd love to say, what does this mean to you, my friend? And what do you think about us drawing the conclusion that it's no coincidence in November, these banks are going through an upgrade? Yeah, I mean, SWIFT's deadline for ISO 20022, at least for all the clients are concerned, is I know it's 2025, but I know that there's lots of kind of integrations going on prior to that. This month, um, a million percent. And here I could go on for a while about Swift, but Swift in November, a million percent um, this month went live with blockchain wallets and went live with ISO, not 20022, but ISO 24165. ISO 24165 stands for digital token identifiers. So anything that is not considered a fiat or dollar currency. Um, which essentially that's crypto. Uh, so they, they hundred percent went live with blockchain wallets. They hundred percent went live at least with the, the DTIs, the digital token identifiers, which is pretty massive. Um, 
I don't want to lose track of thought here, but ISO 20022 is interesting because in my opinion, it's, I don't think that there are at least, you know, ISO 20022 doesn't necessarily natively represent crypto. It's just, it's a, it's a payments compliant. There's a messaging compliant standard and you can, you know, if you have a compliant infrastructure for ISO 20022, you can add on payments functionality or settlement functionality on top of that. But I think there's going to be tons of digital assets and cryptos that are ISO operating in an ISO 20022 compliant infrastructure in the future. But we all know where the space goes. I mean, to see Swift rolling out blockchain wallets um, this month, and that came from a release they put out in July. Uh, blockchain wallets this month, digital token identifiers this month. Um, and also, that was always through Swift's Knowledge Center. And they would always post these like consistent updates in their Knowledge Center. And they just changed the way that you can access those updates probably mid to late October interesting timing and now you have to basically log into swift and be a member of swift to get those updates that were freely accessible for the past year and a half two years which is why i say again a lot of shit going dark as far as what what we're able to access so you know what that reminds me of solomon it reminds me of when the federal reserve shut down showing the m2 money supply they had showed that forever and then when they decided they were going to print into oblivion in 2020 they said the american public you, you can't learn this information anymore because we're about to collapse this thing but johnny crypto any quick comments on compliant tokens? I love this narrative here. We talked about how the migration is set to be complete before March 10th of 2025. We're going to get some comments from you and kick it to Gonzo. What are your thoughts, Johnny? Yeah, so two things. One, if, if you're new to the space and you're looking to figure out how to get in, where to invest, I would start with the ISO 222 tokens, right? It's a good place to get started to at least kind of get familiarized with what's going on and probably not a bad place to you know bet some races. Again, we're not financial advisors, not financial advice. But certainly something to just consider, I think, and look at apps from, from, from that perspective. So for me, that's where, where I would get going. And then, two, you know, everybody thinks, like, oh, no, you know, March 23, they're going to get started. Live. They're going to flip the switch. Listen, guys, this is how it works. They'll roll it. They're going live, which means they'll roll it out. They'll try it out. But don't think the whole world on November or whatever, March 2023, is going to flip one switch and every single bank in the world is going to be running on it. No, it's probably going to be one of those situations where, They'll have some, they'll have some certain, you know, what they'll do like a beta. They'll have certain small banks and systems working on it. But I don't think every single person on that day is going to be operating on that system. I, I don't imagine it'll be that way. They'll probably do a beta first. So that's my guess, but we'll have to wait and see. Gonzo, when we often reference mass adoption, one of the things we talk about is that many of the consumers are going to be using cryptocurrency without actually knowing it behind the scenes. These banks are going to adopt the technology and everything is going to appear the same on the banking application. But in reality, that instant settlement is going to become available for everybody because of these digital assets. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Do you believe that mass adoption comes without the general public even realizing it because the banks adopt it behind the scenes? Um, yeah, I, I think that's feasible. I mean, I think that's where we're going to in the future, right? Because I think that uh, most people, when they want to use an application or something, they don't care how it works as long as it just works, right? Um, but there's a reason why, uh, I mean, I could listen to, to King Solomon talk all day about his deep research. So I'm not as versed as he is, but there's a reason why we diversify into the ISO tokens, right? I understand it's a messaging service, but we're making kind of a speculative play here that eventually it's going to lead into something, right? And that's why we invest in like um, HBAR, Algorand, XRP, XTC, all of those, right? Because we're making a speculative bet. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, 
Thank you, Gonzo. And I'd love to kick it to Solomon to get some deep dives on this research. We just referenced that many of these banks are going to integrate digital assets behind the scenes and the everyday consumer is not even going to realize that they're leveraging blockchain publicly. So what's pretty interesting here is that we're going to draw some connections to Ripple because obviously Bank of America, MasterCard and Amazon are speaking at this event. Do you believe this is the beginning of those conversations about them adopting these digital assets behind the scenes and using it to their advantage without actually informing consumers? Oh, I mean, that stuff's been going on for years. I mean, I, you can look back into uh, Euronet Worldwide and the stuff that we saw with Nasha in 2015 um, with Ripple being at the base of the payment stack. Uh, you can look at more recent things, which is like, you know, essentially what we've like, like I talked about kind of the narrative shift. And I think it was like a month and a half, two months ago. And number one, as a comment, when you see like one of these larger banking infrastructure institutions like release something, they usually piggyback off of each other. So when the Bank for International Settlements announces something within a day or 24 or 48 hours, you usually, usually see the IMF and the ECB <clears> doing stuff. Yeah. Bank for International Settlements probably two months ago, right around the same time and DTCC, which is essentially you guys were talking derivatives and the quadrillions in volume, released um, stuff almost back to back. Bank for International Settlements saying we have one or, one or two options. Um either A, regulate as these things are being incorporated into the ecosystem of traditional finance, or option B, regulate as these things are separate. And then they go on to say there's no way to regulate towards option B because they're already ingrained. We have to regulate towards option A, which is bring them into the financial system. And what we've heard is we, heard, we were thinking kind of that there could be parallel rails being built out. And then you start seeing convergence between these rails. And Bank for International Settlements and DTCC both said that. Uh, about a month or two ago, as there's 100% parallel rails being built, pain points that exist right now in the traditional financial system is where you're going to start seeing that crossover. And once you start seeing that crossover, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's a domino effect because there's no way to go back. And then you're just going to start seeing more and more and more onboarding into tokenization, using crypto, using digital assets for whatever the whatever the use case may be. Um, and I think you mentioned it too, Abs, like with... Um, what we're about, what we're a couple hundred years, this only happens, you know, a couple hundred every few hundred years. There's a convergence of so many technologies going on right now uh, cryptocurrency, blockchain, DLT, hashgraph, uh, biometrics, digital ID. It's all framed around the green economy, all this stuff for 2030. I mean, Solomon, if I could jump in. I'd love to just get your comments here because I think this is a much larger narrative. Everything, it's like digital asset investor always says all the world's a stage. And I really think that the implementation of digital assets, it's just part of the plan when it comes to UBI. Many of the essential jobs, whether it's fast food workers or truck drivers, they're all going to be replaced in the next 10 years. And I think that we're going to roll out a universal basic income system so that a lot of these people who get laid off can still purchase food. But what's really interesting is that when you dive into the details of a central bank digital currency is not only are they going to limit the amount that you can spend, they're going to tell you where you can spend your money only on essential goods and services. So this is an entirely new money system. And I know you're more familiar than I. So I'd love to give you the chance to just speak about that. What do you think about the implementation of CBDCs and how this stuff has been planned for 50 plus years with Klaus Schwab? I, I mean, look, I, I think it, for me, it's a little bit acidine to believe that um, these banks have enough innovative know-how to launch their own networks uh, and to use crypto or not to use crypto um, and really to be able to make it in a way that is streamlined uh, across the board, because if banks were able to innovate, you know, they wouldn't still be using the SWIFT system, you know, <laughs> 60 years later. 
Um, so I think that these CBDCs and central bank digital currencies, uh, I believe they're going to be operating on these ledgers that have proven themselves out. I just shared a doc in the private chat with you guys. Like, it's really interesting. Like, even you had the ISO 20022 thing pulled up. I saw that list multiple times. Hedera was never confirmed within that, by the way. And then I found this decoding CBDC report that came out. And that is a joint report with fr from Ripple and Hedera Hashgraph and Lippus Advisors that came out about a month and a half, two months, maybe three months ago. And that did prove out uh, ISO 20022 compliance for Hedera, the consensus service. And that is the the Project New Dawn, or the, which is MTAC, yes. Hedera, the Fed, and Microsoft that, that does show that ISO 20022 compliance. But I mean, I think the whole, the, the misinterpretation I have for CBDCs that I think a lot of people have is that they're going to kill crypto. If CBDCs were going to kill, now that it's going to make, it's going to turn fiat money digital. It's going to add efficiencies and X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. But I don't believe that it's going to solve the inability to manage fiscal policy. Because if, if governments and banks could manage fiscal policy, we wouldn't be in the shit show that we're in right now in the global economy, right? So I think that you at some point you have to use something that's more mm -hmm. sustainable. Um, and they either, I'm not a big fan of the pegging to gold or attaching to gold thing, but you know, a deflationary digital assets or crypto assets that can move and actually do represent some sort of sound fiscal policy is a much more interesting proposition for the way that this may, may shake out, at least in my opinion. So thank you, Solomon. And this is really interesting for anybody who's not familiar with what Project New Dawn is. It's a project working with the Federal Reserve built on HBAR, where they're actually working on cross-border payments through a central bank digital currency. And when it comes back to our original conversation, Solomon, it's like, not only are we not going to have a choice in the adoption of this technology, I think many of us, the everyday citizens, we got 450 live listeners joining us here. They're the outliers. They are not the general public. Most of the public is going to be using these currencies without, without really understanding it. And you brought up something I'd like to go back to, which is you do not believe that CBDCs are going to replace decentralized currencies. So can you speak to that a little bit more? Do you believe many CBDCs are actually being built on the public blockchains that we see today? I think it's a mixed bag. Um, I think that these governments and banking entities are leveraging some of these companies to help them try to build out solutions. Um, but I also believe that a lot of these CBDCs are going to be operating on probably some of the networks and ledgers that we already know of right now. You could think of the XRP ledger, for example, especially with federated sidechains. Um, I think that we've always heard like the private ledger aspects. I think that that's a little bit nonsensical because I think that is that that private ledger is actually a federated sidechain because you can't add privacy in. But yes, I mean, I think that you're going to have people repeat the question one more time. Do I think that CBDCs are going to? Uh, so a lot of the central bank digital currency conversation has said that they're going to push us away from decentralized currencies that exist today and into centralized entities. My question was, are a lot of the centralized currencies being built on existing blockchains such as XRP, XLM and so on? Yeah, I think that you're going to have like, let's say tier one nations, like I think like America or England, like it's, I don't think that they pivot into a digital asset anytime soon. I do think that their CBDCs are probably going to represent their national currency, just like they always have. Yep. But it'll be interesting to see what happens, at least as a start in kind of some of these exotic nations. Um, I don't like saying the word third world, because I think that's a little bit ridiculous, but like I'll say exotic nations. And then you're going to start seeing a little bit of a convergence, at least over time. And I think the crypto and digital assets just represent not only options for consumers, but options for governments and options for financial entities that want to transfer across border and do X, Y and Z. I think that's kind of the shift that we're going to see. But I think it's going to be both. I think that you're going to still have 
national, you know, government backed kind of fiat currency aspects that are just digitized. But you're also going to have cryptocurrency used um, at the same time. And I do really think it's an exciting time to be around, Johnny K. We got 464 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Crypto J commented, elbow drop that thing. Johnny Crypto, we know you already do, but I'd like to get some quick comments here. He brought up that central bank digital currencies are currently working with XRP. They're working with Adara and several others. This is painting the picture of a multi-blockchain world. It's not going to be 90% of the derivatives market ends up on one individual blockchain. Instead, it's going to be a half a dozen or a dozen, which is very familiar to what the HBAR founder said when we get a market restructuring in the past. So open floor, my friend. Quick comments, then we'll dive into our last article. I mean, that's what we've been saying here all the time, guys. There isn't going to be a single one rule, one ring, one ring to rule it all, right? It's going to be multiple technologies working together, multiple layers built on top of each other, side chains working together. And so again, you want to, you want to, be able to make sure you're investing in those, understanding what that rail system may look like, and then and then to invest in those. I think what's interesting is when you think about the conversation we're just having about will CBDCs get rid of cryptocurrencies or vice versa? The reality is when you look at today, at least in North America, what's the main currency everybody uses? We trade with the dollar, right? No, And cryptocurrencies are out there and people are starting to adopt them and use them a little bit. But 95% or 99% of people are using the dollar. My, my guess is when they push the CBDC on everybody, right, and it becomes the way you get paid your salary and that's the money that's in your bank or it's in your phone or wherever the hell or in your skin, wherever the hell they're going to put the chips on you, right, the, the majority of people will probably default to using CBDCs. So I don't think they're going to try to push cryptocurrencies out because they'll get too much resistance. What they're going to do is just going to make the CBDC the norm and that's where everybody's going to, you know, the majority of people will probably use it. Now, there will be folks... I think a, a set of folks that want to play outside that system, and that's where cryptocurrencies could be a great alternative. Now, the question is, are they going to regulate it out of existence? Because that's the one power they have. And to me, that's actually, I would love King's opinion on that. Do you think they will, you know, because we know how they are. They want control, right? And decentralization takes control out of their hands. Do you think they will put the CBD system in place and then slowly kind of regulate decentralization out of the picture? Uh, I mean, uh, you can look at what the banks are doing and what they're prepping for. I mean, this stuff goes back a few years even. I shared a link with you guys in here, even if nobody knows, like Central Bank of Russia testing out XRP and the XRP ledger and basically saying nice. they're, they're using that as kind of the basis for, they, they literally say that, I can't, can't remember, they, they do mention X, they tested XRP, but they literally say that looking at, I think it's either Ripple or the XRP ledger as the basis for starting kind of it's down there. You have to control F and just hit XRP. But um, the basis for, you know, DLT as far as cross border is concerned. But I, what I think is going to happen, Johnny, is I think look at like some of these patents that these banks have facilitated over the past, let's say, two or three years. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to try to gamify crypto to the mass populace and they're going to have digital assets and cryptocurrencies. Like if I log on to my bank account, I'm going to see dollars. And then I'm, I'm, I'm almost going to get like rewards points uh, yeah. in like cryptocurrencies to incentivize yeah. X, Y, and Z. I mean, that's happening. Like Bank of America put out a patent. Um, yeah. It's, McDonald's is doing it. Yeah. yeah. McDonald's is doing it too. You're right. I think that's, that's how I can see it all playing together where, you know, CBDC being the main driver. Oh, we're offering rewards in these different chains. And maybe, you know, from that perspective, I can, I totally agree with you. The gamification and then the metaverse pieces will be interesting to see how those all play out. So, yeah, Solomon, so had, I'd love to. Oh, go ahead. Based, yeah, they had here based on the research results, 
So this was through this was research conducted by an innovation lab that was facilitated by the Central Bank of Russia back in 2020. Uh, based on the research results, it was concluded that the Ripple platform can be considered as the basis for starting work on creating a system of cross-border settlements, provided that the following organizational, legal, and technical issues are resolved. And then they go into talking about XRP. So they definitely were all of the banks like and this isn't to say that XRP definitively gets used within these banks. But and this I don't have factual evidence based on this, but it makes sense for me that if I'm partnering with Ripple for for the product line that Ripple was offering, that I'm going to want to test out that product line, including XRP. Um, and, and that's not necessarily like you can. It, I, I believe XRP is decentralized X, Y and Z, everything else. But Ripple does use XRP in one of their product lines. So it would make sense for me to test that. Um, and that's, I don't know. It's just really interesting. I think what a lot of what we're watching is certainly a little bit of a show. So all the world's a stage, my friend. And for our last political topic, theater, there's a lot of it out there. Exactly. And for our last topic today, I'd love to just ask you about the ripple lawsuit going on today. I had prepared a tweet from Stuart Alderati breaking down how they've received over 14 amicus briefs in support of them against the sec. And that's unprecedented for the landscape. So I just love to go back to you up oh, sharing the wrong screen here, but I'd love to go back to you. What do you think about, what do you think about what's going on with the ripple versus sec lawsuit? We saw Gary Gensler come under serious fire this week, not only for his connections to Sam Bankman-Fried, but for the way he's regulating the industry as a whole. So for our last topic today, XRP lawsuit, what are you anticipating? Floor is yours, my friend. I mean, I've just got to give kudos to John Deaton, um, to James Filan, um, to all the, uh, you know, to, to the people that have really been sticking their neck out there and being, you know, been stewards for the XRP community. Um, we have John on a Twitter spaces tonight at 5 p.m. Eastern. So would love to hear an update from him because he's obviously the expert. But as far as the amicus briefs are concerned, it has been massive. But this shouldn't be surprising to anybody. I mean, here's where I think the SEC runs into a, a little bit of an issue. Um, there's been multiple lawsuits uh, for crypto comp companies and blockchain companies in the past. And normally what happens within these lawsuits, from my understanding, is that the SEC will prolong and prolong and prolong and prolong and drive these companies into the ground because these companies don't have enough capital to fight the SEC. And they ran into a little bit of a brick wall with Ripple in that regard, because obviously Ripple does have the capital to fight the SEC regarding what yep. they feel is unfair. Um, and then you also look at the legal team, like Mary Jo White, like literally former SEC chair. Like it's, it's massive to see the team that they have. It's massive to see these companies coming out and support. It is interesting um, with uh, the Blockchain mm -hmm. Association uh, and Coinbase, where it's like, yeah, this shit's been going on for years. And now it's like, yeah, we we support XRP. We support Ripple. You know what I mean? It's like, OK, great. You know, that's like me. Um, I don't know. That's like me scratching off a winner winning lottery ticket and being like, hey, I believe in buying lottery tickets. Exactly. You know? so, yeah. It's such BS. And one of the things that we're excited about is we get to see through the game and connect with people like you. Gonzo, hasn't been, I haven't heard from you in a little bit, but I'd like to close out the show with some comments from you. What are some of your thoughts on what's going on today? Uh, sorry, Johnny, I got to mute you real quick. We're getting, we are getting significant echo. Gonzo, I'm going to kick it to you and mute my mic. Sorry about that. Bro. Yeah. So it's funny that, uh, you know, Kick Solomon just said that because what I was thinking is it'd be like, you know, me, us coming out today and saying, hey, guys, get your money out of FTX. It's dangerous it might go insolvent, right? Like it's a bit too late for that. Like where the hell have you been? Right. Where have they been? So it's just hilarious. Like, and you're going to see this more and more, like the media is going to flip on, on ripple and on XRP. They're going to be more positive. You're going to see all these people that come, uh, 
come out of the woodwork being positive about it, right? Just like you had all these people that come out of the woodwork right now saying they saw the red flags, right? They saw the red flags on FTX or they, they thought this about SBF or that. Like, really? Where were you, right? Well, why didn't you say anything, right? If you saw the red flags and you saw that something was wrong, then why didn't you say anything? So it, it's just hilarious how, how things play out. The one thing, though, too, like I think I wouldn't be surprised We've seen so much over the past few years. I wouldn't be surprised if this case doesn't go the way that everybody expects it to go. I'm not thinking that it's going to go that way, but I mean, it's, it's, it's just one more, I, I don't know. Like, that's why, you know, we try to preach like decentralization or not decentralization, diversification and things like that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. We've all been watching a show and for us to expect that the show is just going to end and everything's going to be peachy and we're all going to be, you know, X, Y, and Z overnight. I don't think that like... I'll just put it that way. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go either way. But again, I do believe in, you know, you guys know how long I've been trying to support XRP and the XRP ledger in the community. Uh, I believe if we were to have this discussion four years ago, if XRP was decentralized, my opinion probably would be totally different. Um, but where we're at right now, I think it's such a different ballgame. And I think that if that's what John Deaton said before, it's like the SEC isn't arguing that Ripple, you know, is 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 decentralized now, but wasn't in the past. They're saying that XRP is still a security even today. And I think that it's a little bit acidine because it's being used. Look at all the community builders, look at people building on the open decentralized network, look at the validator aspect. I mean, it's interesting to, to watch the narratives going on. So one of the last things I'd like to bring up is you referenced how blockchain association came out in support of ripple. But what's really interesting is that ripple is actually a part of the blockchain association. And when you look at the list of, of companies that are in there, you've got consensus, you've got JP Morgan, you've got Coinbase, you've got a list of companies who have been extremely critical of ripple yet. They're working together behind the scenes in the blockchain association. So for, I know I said this three times before our last topic for today, I'd like for you to address that. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at all these industry consortia and they're all trying to push towards, you know, utilization of these assets and networks. Um, I don't think like, you know, I wouldn't make the assumption that just because Ripple's in an association with all these other um, heavy hitters that they that that across the board, um, they're all working together. Because I do think that you see kind of these enterprise networks being built out with like JP Morgan and what they were doing with Quorum and the consensus aspects and the hyperledger aspects. It's like. There's always going to be a little bit of crossover, but look, like the, these legacy businesses are incentivized to still make money at the end of the day. Um, and they're incentivized to kind of use networks that are, that are going to at least bootstrap them out to where they're at right now. But they all know the writings on the wall as far as crypto and digital assets are concerned. So they're going to try to leverage themselves to make as much money as possible. That's why you see these little siloed, uh, little siloed projects and stuff like that, or even bigger enterprise projects. So that's why I'm talking even when we do reach mass adoption and scale, it's going to be, I mean, interoperability is huge and there's going to be multiple winners in my opinion, but there's going to be tons of losers too. So um, yeah, it's kind of where my head's at, but yeah, I mean, you pull up the list here. Um, I mean, this is a, this is a powerhouse of members. So this was a learning experience for me because I really didn't realize, and you, you made a reference there. You said they're not working together because they're in the same association completely agree, but it's very interesting to see all these names together in any way, JP Morgan and ripple Kraken and ripple consensus. It's, it's just a, it makes you think it definitely spins you for a loop, but Johnny crypto close us out for today. What's on your mind, my friend. Well, if you think about it, if you're them, right, they're looking at it probably from the perspective of they're all in this group. They're all kind of have a same common goal. And if ripple goes down, <laughs> any one of them could be next so it doesn't surprise me when they look at it and say hey we need to, to to you know to back these guys and hope that the ruling doesn't come out in a way where 
they're going to, you know, you never know who's going to be next in the targets of the SEC. So if Ripple does win this case, or at least not win, but what I've always said is I think you'll see a happy settlement where maybe they'll come out and they'll say, okay, hey, when you operated and launched in 2013, fine, we'll just say you were security, slap on the wrist, pay a big fine, go away. And then maybe they'll give that Ripple the right and say, hey, as you're operating today, you're not a security. You know, maybe they'll they'll have to capitulate or so they're going to have to be a settlement as they go in the middle. If they don't find a middle ground and they go to court, this is going to drag out for another, oh man, who knows, another year or two. It's going to be painful. And I'm not sure the SEC wants to risk losing it because if they lose this case, the precedent it set, sets basically clips their, their collions off where they're not going to be able to do anything. So I don't I don't think we get there. It's but, but I am curious to see how this thing ends, and if those. You know, I, I don't. Th I don't think Johnny that because the, they've already said in their in, in their in their summary judgment they're not saying that. Um, you know they're saying that it was marketed as security, right? And so right. it's the same thing like with the whole example of like whiskey, right? Like they 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 can say that you know whiskey was promoted as a security, and they could be in trouble for that. But the underlying asset whiskey is not an actual security, right? And that and so that's right. we're. Right. And so what we're looking for is for them to say any future sales of XRP is not considered secure. And that's what would be a win for us. Right. That's what I think is going to happen. I think the settlement is yeah. going to be, hey, when you operated in 2013, you were a security. So, bang, you pay a fine for that. But the way you're operating today is not a security. So you can now continue to operate. That's the only way Ripple's going to settle. They already said, if you're going to call us a security to continue, we're not settling. We're going to court. So, I mean, it's going to cause... It's going to be a watershed moment for the entire space, which is why it's so crazy to me. There was that 30 or 40 hour Twitter space that went on, you know, what was that, a days ago. we were there, yeah, you know, Brad Garlinghouse gets in and he's trying to be as transparent as possible. And you have people that were up on a panel that were literally promoting, uh, promoting Luna and Solana um, to flip XRP and X, Y, and Z. So there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, but, but make no mistake about it. This court case, in my opinion, like everybody should be rooting for Ripple and what they're yes. fighting for right now because it's going to be a watershed moment. It's going to provide clarity. And a lot of these companies better hope to hell that the clarity is provided in a way that uh, facilitates more innovation and doesn't kill the industry. So yep. we'll watch what happens, I guess. Thank you, Solomon. And we got 436 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going a little bit extra long today because we got our special guest in the building this morning. Johnny Crypto, I'm sorry. I just want to play this last video. I'm going super long, but let me play this video We're and go good. back Let's to Solomon. Roll, then we'll end this episode. Your boy is excited. We yeah. put it all out there. Like, it's all transparent. And, you know, it, it, that's not because we have a regulator telling us to do that. It's because we think it's the right way to run a business. And what, what percentage of the revenue is XLP sales? You know, it's a significant percentage. I, you know, I don't know that we've ever publicly broken that out. Uh, you know, again, again it, it, the point I would make, just because the nature of the question is, we repurchased the vast majority of XRP. So it, this is not a we're very long-term bullish on XRP. This is not a hey, let's sell as much XRP as fast as we can. It's almost you know the, the opposite. But, but re repurchasing, what's what's the purpose of that? Because isn't that like would that cause some market manipulation issues? No, well, I mean, I guess, it, I don't know, the, the, the conversation has gone from, hey, hey how do we make the, the industry more healthy to, you know, it, it, could, could that be market manipulation? I mean, no, we, I, like, sorry, Brad, I don't know what the fuck is Solomon, I think that's a great place to go back to you for some comments. You referenced this speech about the Ethereum and Luna Max. He's coming after Brad Garlinghouse, and he made a point very clear. Nobody tells them they have to show their balance sheets. They do that because they believe that's the correct way to operate. Then when he was asked about market manipulation from the purchases of XRP, 
He basically said, I'm not here to get effed. So I'd love to get some of your comments and then we'll close this episode out. Brad Garlinghouse was caught a little bit off guard, but what do you think about the statements that were made? I mean, it, it just always consistently seems to be a witch hunt for a company that has historically tried to work with regulators yeah. um, since, since the get-go. Um, look at Jay Clayton's calendar from August of 2018, you know, meeting with literally Brad Garlinghouse, David Schwartz. I think it was John Roscoe, the special assistant to the president at that point in time. And Jay Clayton, those are the four people in that meeting. Um, I don't know. I just I, I for me, I would just love to see, you know, that space that was held, I think, did provide value to the community, at least as yeah. far as the exchanges coming up. And we got to hear kind of what was going on and all the shady dealings. But. Make no mistake about it. There's a purpose for any kind of a big space like that. People are people that have been around that are only supporting Bitcoin and Ethereum or only supporting Bitcoin, let's say. Most of these people, have, you know, Bitcoin went 2009. Most of these people have been here for a little bit longer than even most of us. So they're very incentivized yeah. to continue talking about Bitcoin. If I opened up a fast food restaurant and only sold cheeseburgers, yeah. um, and you come into my fast food restaurant, I'm not going to try to sell you tacos. You know what I mean? Like the, these people are very incentivized to keep talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the only way. And then same thing from the Ethereum standpoint. So, you know, even the Charles Hoskins, uh, Hoskinson, David Schwartz, Twitter back and forth. Charles basically told David, uh, he's like, if Ripple would have launched a DAP ecosystem in 2015, instead of focusing on payments, this would have never even happened. And it's like, what are you talking like? what is the like the thought process like with ethereum like yes i understand daps are gigantic ethereum is gigantic i don't think ethereum is necessarily going anywhere but how much money have people lost by investing into shit coins and rugs um mm -hmm. from, from the ethereum network with these daps how much real value is out there versus how much of it is kind of a smokescreen so i just don't like the witch hunt stuff um based on how transparent ripple's been uh you know i'm not ripple um but uh, you know and i'm not you know, a lawyer with the, with the court case, but I don't know. I would just love everybody to kind of have an equal shot to talk about what they're actually trying to do in this space um, without being castrated. But because Brad didn't have to go into that space, and no. then he comes into that space and he's literally fighting for the entire industry and for somebody to shit on him like that, I think is totally irresponsible. So, yep. and where yep. I really think they eat their words is when this SEC lawsuit ends and Ripple is one of the only currencies with established regulation. We'll see how that plays out. It could be a positive. It could be a negative. We got 414 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to close this episode off the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Super G. And thank you to King Solomon himself. Another amazing episode. And we're going to close out like we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's, Let's go. go. Hey.